0: Welcome to the Mastering Leadership Podcast, a podcast for pastors and their teams by two guys that get it. Welcome back to the Mastering Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Timon Benson, the Leadership Development Manager here at QB, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Mark Westhazen, who is the Director of Church Health. Welcome again, Mark.
1: Thanks, Timon. Good to be here talking about teams.
0: Talking about teams this season on our Mastering Leadership Podcast. And, uh, you know, just a reminder, I mean, you know, teams are... Are biblical. Like all the way throughout the Bible, there is mention of teams. Uh, you know, uh, as I think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul often talks about his co-workers or his co-laborers. Like
1: That's right. And of often, often at the end of his letters, there's a yeah. list of shout-outs to the people that he's been working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know,
0: Priscilla and Aquila were fellow workers. Mm. Timothy, another fellow worker. Titus, Epaphroditus, you know, other people who, who labored alongside of him as he ministered the gospel in various places. And so, you know, what we want to do with this podcast is help our pastors and help uh, leaders in, in QB churches really understand the value and importance of teams. Now, today we are really digging down deep again into healthy teams. That's right. Last time we talked about team culture and we talked about defining and defending and uh, what was the third D there, Mark? I've forgotten. Duplicate.
1: Again. Duplicate. It. We take our good values and our healthy culture and embed it in a new. Embed
0: it experience. in a new, new, new thing. But yeah. this, but this time we're going to talk about a health, particularly, particularly healthy, healthy teams as opposed to toxic sort of teams. Yeah. Healthy team culture, um, and uh, and we're going to look at a, a particular particular book, um, a particular. Uh, author, So tell us about that, Mark. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. So the author's name is Daniel Coyle. And he had this question, why are some teams so productive and so effective? You know, the basketball team wins the game. The business mm. team beats the competition. The primary school raises up better students. Like how come some groups, some teams are so effective and so dynamic and people love being part of those teams. No one leaves and they outperform everybody else. Like, why are some teams awesome and some teams just average? Yeah. So, with this question, he started to study the high-performing teams in a whole stack of different fields. So, he looked at military SEAL Team Six. He looked at restaurants. He looked at um, uh, special needs schools in the inner city. Wow. He looked cross-culturally at all different basketball teams, all different. So it wasn't just
0: one particular area; it was a lot of different right. sort of sectors of society. Exactly right. So he's right. looking
1: for that. What are the universal hallmarks of an incredible team culture that yeah. leads to unbelievable performance? Wow. That was kind of his his question. And he actually um, one of the studies that was done put a number on this, and they found out that from a business point of view, this is a Harvard Business Review. High-performing teams with these with this great culture outperform others. Seven hundred and sixty-five percent is their financial <laughs> bottom line. So good teams smash the competition in terms of financial outcomes. That's wow. from a business point of view. Wow. If you look at things like basketball teams, they yep. outperform as well. Yep. Um, but he begins his story with this fascinating. Begins his book with this fascinating story. Uh, he tells the story of Peter uh, Skillman, who was a social researcher who conducted this experiment to try and understand why do some groups work together well and some don't. So what he did is he got to, together uh, groups of four people. Yeah. Some were lawyers, like groups of lawyers, groups of engineers, groups of business school graduates, um, and four-year-olds, groups of four. Like,
0: like four-year-olds, like, prim- like preschool kids. kids like oh, my yeah. wife's yeah. a kindy teacher, uh, kids
1: from her kindy class, yeah. right? And in groups of four, they had uh, each group was given 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti, a metre of sticky tape, a metre of string and one standard size marshmallow. Right. And what they had to do is work together to build the tallest tower they could build with those four things and the only rule was the marshmallow had to go on top. It'd be interesting to get some
0: some 4 QB pastors to try it that. It would ext- be <laughs>
1: very interesting to do that. Uh, business school graduates, kindergartners, lawyers, uh, engineers, the whole bit. And uh, – What they realised is that the business students got right to work. They began thinking strategically. They analysed the materials. They developed strategies and structures and they workshopped ideas. They settled on one idea. They allocated roles and responsibilities. It was professional. It was rational. It was intelligent and it was terrible, right? (laughs) The the kindergartens didn't strategise. They uh, didn't share their experiences. They didn't go around the room and share credentials. They just jumped in. They just jumped in, they squeezed in together, they got their grubby little hands on all the little pieces and they started building with no plan, no strategy. And they spoke in short, sharp bursts. Here, hold this. No, here, do it like that. Grab this. And and, and their their approach could be described, as Coyle says, as trying a bunch of stuff together, (laughs) right? And what they found is that no matter which university they ran this experiment in... The dozens of trials, the kindergartners built structures that were, on average, 26 inches tall. Wow. The business school um, students, uh, the lawyers, less than 10 inches. Wow. The kinder kids outperformed these strategists and business experts, absolutely smashed them. And uh, Peter Skillman, the social researcher, tried to answer the question, why is it that it looks like these other groups are working together but they don't achieve the results. But the kindy kids wow. absolutely smash it. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. just got your small fingers, you know. There's <laughs> something going on here, <laughs> something going on here. And what, what he realized is that um, there was this steady stream of communication. Yeah. And as, as the book goes on, uh, so, so Coyle spends a huge amount of time studying the most successful groups, military black ops, inner city school, professional basketball team, movie studio, comedy troupe, gang of jewel thieves and a bunch of others to try and answer the question what makes a great team a great team and it's not skill.
0: So what did he find? What, was the, what, was, what did he find in the it's end? It's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, no, it's it is. It is fascinating. So
1: if he, he discovered that there's three skills that are universal to high-performing teams regardless of what industry they're in. Right, right. right or even where they are in the world. So it's not even a Western thing. Three things that they do. They build safety, number one. They establish... Oh, sorry, number two, they share vulnerability yeah. in, in, the, in the group and they establish a clear, clear purpose.
0: Well, let's have a look at those three things now. So build safety, share vulnerability, establish purpose. When we say build safety, what do we mean? What do we mean by building safety?
1: Yeah, so... Um, Again, the, the, the social scientists in this space, they, they um, gathered heaps of data, right? So they put, they'd go to a team meeting and they'd put on the middle of the table a recording device called a sociometer, which would measure the social interactions between the group members. Eye contact, voice, who spoke when, our body language movement, like it's got video cameras and sound recorders, and motion sensors, all this sort of stuff. And they found um, that the most effective team cultures had this pattern where healthy and high-performing teams built safety through a steady stream of what he calls belonging cues, a steady stream of belonging cues that consistently reinforce the message. We're connected. We're safe. We have a future together. So this steady stream of, of belonging cues, it wasn't like there was one big thing. Mm. It was just nonstop, lots of little things, lots of little social connections So heaps of physical – heaps of eye contact, close physical proximity, uh, physical touch, handshakes, fist pumps, hugs, lots of short energetic exchanges, no long speeches, uh, high levels of mixing, so everyone talks to everyone in the group, very few interruptions, lots of questions, very intense active listening, um, humour, laughter and small courtesies. And he said, no matter which group I was looking at, as I observed these people interact – there was this steady stream of social cues that said, "We're connected, uh, we're safe, and we have a future together." And that is that first fundamental thing. And he, um, Coyle says, as he studied these groups, it became addictive. like he would make up excuses to fly across the country to go spend more time with that team. and he'd say, "Oh, I just need some more data." but really it was just such such a wonderful environment to be in, to be in a place where there's such a strong sense, sense of, connectedness of connectedness and
0: safety and, safety and acceptance. Mm. You know, uh, we were just talking before about that, Mark, and I was, just, I was just sharing with Mark about, you know, my own family and in my own family I'm trying to c- create that culture mm. among my kids that yeah. you're accepted here, yeah. you're loved here. You know, uh, I was just saying to Mark, like even last night I was saying to one of my kids, you know, You could do the worst thing, but I I want you to know that you Mm. can still Mm. come home. That's right. Now, obviously, I'd be disappointed if you did something because, you know, tragic because that would be bad for you. It might be bad for other people. But I want you to know that you'll always be loved. You'll always be accepted, and it just does create this sense of safety in your family. It does create that sense of security. That's right. Because it is one of the things that that people are wondering when they enter into a new group or a mm. team. They're, mm. they're looking for that sense of security, aren't yeah. they? They're looking for that sense of yeah. do I belong? Like yeah. uh, uh, will will I be place loved for here? Me. Will, yeah. Will yeah. this be a place where I can be me?
1: Yeah.
0: And so um, I guess there are. A number of things, aren't there, that can actually create that, how, do, how we build that sense that's of belonging. That's right, that in, sense of belonging. So in, yeah. what, are, what are some of the ways or some of the ways we could build a sense of belonging in yeah. in, a, in our team, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, as a leader, you know, you have to over-communicate your listening. Yeah. You know, you've got to show people all the time that you're actually paying attention. So that's heaps of eye contact. It's one of my team calling me right now, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. I feel bad that I've just ignored them. But anyway, anyway. the irony of like over-communicate your listening as you put deny call yeah, on your phone.
0: But it, that is important, isn't it? So when, you, you know, when you're in a team meeting, you know, making sure that you're attentive. That's right. Making sure you, you're the one who's attentive. You know, uh, I have to say this, in, at, um, at my previous church, Whenever one of the guys or or people would get up and preach, one of the young people who I was training for preaching, I would always sit on the front row and my yeah. kids would always make fun of me yeah, because I would be leaning forward attentively listening to yeah. the sermon. And smiling. And smiling, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. giving an amen, giving a good yeah. encouraging amen, laughing at the joke even if it was a bad one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that was just to actually show that I did accept them and did love them and did... Uh, that they, you know, that I was for them.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, It's not, not rocket science, but people need to know um, where we're connected. Yeah. Uh, we're safe. So another way you do that is you preview future connection. Right. right? So instead of people thinking, man, are we going to have a future? Like, will I even be here next year? Is this a safe place for me? Should I really lean in? Yeah. You, you preview future connection. So man, I, I can't yeah. wait. Like in three years' time, just imagine how good we're going to be yeah. at our post uh, worship service debriefs. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to that day. Or man, I can't wait until one of your kids is up on stage uh, yeah. with with you in the worship team. That's going to be awesome. Wow. Or you know, in three years' time, we should totally do a trip to Israel. Wouldn't that be awesome together? Like, so you're
0: showing people we've got a future together. That's right. I see you as part of the team. I that's see right. you being here with me. Exactly right. Cool. Well, that's so that's that's um, that sense of. Um, that sense of, of, firstly, of building safety. The next skill really is building vulnerability. Vulnerability exactly in a right.
1: team. Exactly right. Um, vulnerability creates a vacuum that draws people together. Right. It makes you closer.
0: Oh, I love that image.
1: Yeah. So, so I- I'm here, you're there. Vulnerability comes <laughs> in the middle.
0: <laughs> sucks it together. Sucks
1: it, sucks <laughs> it together. Yeah. So, so Coyle says the way to do that is you have to understand the vulnerability loop. Right. So here's how it works. The first person sends a signal of vulnerability. Second person detects the signal. Yeah. Uh, Second person then responds by signalling their own vulnerability. Yeah. The uh, first person detects the signal, and then there's trust established in the middle. So Mm. give me an example. So say I'm interviewing you, Timon. Yeah. And uh, and um, I'm trying to create that sense of shared vulnerability. Yeah. So, as the interviewer, as a person has more kind of more power in the conversation, I might say something like, "I'm a bit nervous. This is the first time I've interviewed someone uh, for a ministry job." Yeah. So I'm signalling to you vulnerability, yeah. and you're sitting there, and you go, "Ah, oh, <laughs> I see that. I see that."
0: <laughs> I mightn't do that out loud. Yeah, if, yeah. That's right. But what you think? That's right. But yeah. in your
1: heart, you're thinking, "Oh, yeah. thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness, this person. Yeah. You know, they." And then, so you detect the signal. And then you respond, you reciprocate vulnerability. Yeah. So you say, "I'm sure you'll do fine." Like if you're nervous, imagine how nervous I am. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, "Oh, you just yes. saw my vulnerability. Yeah. And you accepted it, and you showed me some vulnerability back, and now we smile at each other. Yeah. Right? Because we yeah. know that we've actually both been vulnerable with each other, and this creates this, um. Yeah. This trusting cooperation. Now the difficulty here is that we tend to avoid vulnerability. Yeah. Because we don't want to put ourselves out there because we're afraid of rejection. Yeah. So we tend to avoid vulnerability. But if you can actually create spaces in your team where it's safe to be vulnerable... Yeah. ...you're not going to, you know, lose your job or (laughs) uh, embarrass your wife or anything like that. But it's a a safe way to be vulnerable. And
0: obviously there is a a spectrum, isn't there, that vulnerability, Mm. it has to start somewhere. So it has to start with the leader... But it will grow over time in a healthy team as trust right. and relationship is established, won't it?
1: That's Absolutely. And the more the leader, leader models it, yeah. the more the other team members will feel safe and connected yeah. and the more they will draw together and learn to trust each and other.
0: There used to be together. sort of a little bit of a, a culture, I think, in pastoral ministry where the where the pastor needed to stand aloof yeah. from the congregation, that they needed to sort of be the one who has it all together. Yeah. And obviously there is appropriate levels of vulnerability. Like you don't, uh, uh, you, you, know, there's, there, you don't share everything with every single person. Yeah, that's right. But what we're talking about here is an openness to share weakness. Exactly right. And yeah. I mean, when you look at the scriptures, you realize how do we know uh, about, you know, you look in the gospels, how do we know about the failures of the disciples apart from the fact that they actually told us. That's right. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think one of the one that stands out to me that I think is the most affirming is, like, Jesus in Gethsemane. Yeah. So how do we know that Jesus fell on his knees before the Father and prayed, Lord, if there's Father, if there's any other way, may this cup be taken from me. Yeah. How do we know that? No one else was there. The three disciples he asked to stand nearby and stay awake were asleep. Yeah. Right? So we know about Jesus' vulnerable moment because he obviously shared it with the disciples yeah it's who then a good example it in, because in it's scripture. not an
0: example of like him expressing sin no but just his human weakness
1: that's, that's right that's right yeah. the, the, the human weakness the human frailty the the doubts and fears you know, and, and how does that, how does
0: vulnerability therefore lead to health healthy teams? I, I think you've already sort of commented on it because yeah. it creates a culture of trust. Is that what you're Crazy saying? Creates a
1: culture of trust.
0: Where yeah. you know, I can trust you because I know you're a real yeah. person. That's right. I know you struggle with the same things that I struggle with. Yeah. And if I open up, you're not going to turn on me, you're not going to use them against That's right. me. That's all of those sorts of things, exactly I guess. Right.
1: So that also because there's trust, it means people opt in. Yeah. They say, I can actually be myself here. I I, I can I can Bring things up, I can suggest new ways of doing things I can make mistakes and it will be okay yeah um, i I can uh disagree with somebody yeah you know so when yep. there's trust 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 creates a a fertile environment for healthy risk yeah because you can take chances because yeah. you know it's going to be okay yeah. even if it doesn't work out you're still valued and still safe yeah
0: and I think that that's those that, you know, when in a new group there are actually two critical moments, aren't there?
1: Yeah, exactly. There, there's yeah. the
0: critical moment, the first moment of true vulnerability. Yeah. When yeah. someone actually opens up and shares. Yeah. That's a critical moment. And then also the first disagreement, I think. Yeah. When someone actually says, hey... Uh, I don't think that's what we should be doing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Like... um, And that first disagreement too is, is so important and how the leader handles that. If you mm. shut that down... Mm. Mm. And that might be the end of vulnerability for that That's group. Right. Yeah. Or if you actually say, "Hey, tell me more about this. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. wh- what do you what do you really mean by that? What does everyone else think? You know." And so you, you, you obviously have to be a very secure leader mm. if you're going to cultivate this this vulnerability in your in your team.
1: Absolutely, and to be able to say to the person who's bringing up difficult things hey, thank you for sharing that with us. We really yeah. value I know that was a hard thing to share. Yeah. But guys, we just want to be the kind of team, don't we, where, yeah. where we speak the truth in love, where, it's, where we can say hard things to each other, where we feel safe to be able to share what's really on our heart and what's really on our mind. Like That's, that's so critical that we have that safe environment to be able to bring things up. Because if, if you don't, if you don't create vulnerability, issues won't be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. The dysfunctional stuff will sit over to the side because no one feels safe to bring it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, And
1: the best ideas will remain uncommunicated because no one feels safe enough to bring up an idea that other people might think is a dumb idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so there's some things that leaders can, can actually do to help create a greater sense of shared – and it's shared vulnerability.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget like in a community group that I was once in, a small group that I was once in, um, we were just rocking along like as a community group and uh, all, the, all the guys in the community group decided to get together for accountability – And each guy was just sharing like something, you know. Uh, And then it came to this one guy and uh, it wasn't me. (laughs) It was another guy in the group. But he chose in that moment to be vulnerable. Right. And he shared a struggle that he was having. Uh, And as he shared that, like, he he was very vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he opened up about it and it changed the whole dynamic of the community group. Because then after that people realized that it was safe mm-hmm. to actually take off the mask and share the deep things of yep. your heart yeah and I probably have never in, never been in a group like that before where mm-hmm. where people have gone mm-hmm. to that depth mm-hmm. so it is really important that first moment of vulnerability where people take off their masks that's right Nobody so looked at um, we've looked at uh, building a sense of safety we've looked at building vulnerability and the third step is to really establish your purpose.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So we don't just want to feel safe and share together. We actually want to answer the question, what are we really here to do? Yeah. What's our purpose? And what Coyle discovered is that the most vibrant team cultures, they did, did a few things. First of all, they totally overcommunicated their values. Right. They, they gave the vision and purpose talk. Like you would not believe, over and over and over. It was written everywhere, featured in every meeting. And and initially, it was like, man, this is totally over the top. Like, I can't (laughs) believe you're still talking about this thing.
0: Um, You know, someone once told me, Mark, years ago, they said, uh, when you're getting sick of it, their people are are finally starting to get it.
1: That's right. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's the vision around
1: it. When you think, I cannot possibly say this vision thing one more time, people are like, We've got a vision, haven't we? <laughs> I, I've heard about that somewhere. <laughs> Pull your hair out. Um, but he said it's as subtle as a punch on the nose. So it wasn't like hidden in the background. It was no. front and center. center right. We are here for this. This is why we're here. This is our values. This is how we do things. Here's our vision. This is our do, plan. This do is you know,
0: policy. I was just thinking Jesus did that.
1: Hmm.
0: Like, you know, all the time Jesus was communicating his purpose. Yeah. For the Son of Man came to seek Amen. and to save the lost you know, he often talked about, you know, this is, you know, oh, gave God's the God. Great Commission, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, all of those sorts of things. He's often talking about, you know, this is, it's not the sick, uh, who, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, this is why I've come, mm-hmm. not to call the righteous, but sinners to mm-hmm. repentance. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. always yeah. giving his purpose to it's his disciples. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally, totally. So over-communicate values. The second thing that high-performance teams do to establish purpose is they um, – have clear, vivid signals that talk about the preferred future. Right. So they continually send the message, we're here, yep. we're trying to get to there. Yep. We're here, we're trying to get to there. So it's all about um, the, future, the current reality to the so future reality. So they're
0: future-orientated.
1: Very future-orientated. Okay. But they have these um, signals and symbols uh, everywhere um, that makes it really clear what they're actually aiming for. So it's like a concrete. concrete. Right. So an example might be, um, as a church, you uh, Google your church's name and you look at your Google reviews or your Facebook reviews mm. and you say, wow, we're getting three out of five for people who visit our church. Mm. That's where we are, we're here. Mm. The, the stats say three mm. three stars, you know. Mm. But we're committed to being a church that new people love to attend. Mm. We, we want to create a warm environment for people so they can hear the good news about Jesus, right? Yeah. So we're going to go from being a three-star church on average to a four-and-a-half-star church right. on average. You're going to get right. some crazies that are going to give you one star. <laughs> we're not interested in them. But for most people, we want to create an environment where new people that visit our church say, wow, that was yeah. a great experience. Or,
0: you know, or I'm thinking like we want a church where every person has a 2 a.m. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, every person could call someone at 2 a.m., a friend. Yeah. Who would come and help yeah, them. My
1: car's broken down. I need a ride.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that sort of deep connection. Uh, we, yeah, you said something before. You said we, we, you know, we want to be a church where everyone has a Kleenex. <laughs> what
1: was that about? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're, we're talking about our worship service culture. So we want to have a. We want to try and create the worship service where people are reaching for the tissues mm. because they're encountering God. They're being real. They're being prayed for. They're experiencing the healing and love of mm. God. You know. Currently, no one cries in our church on a Sunday. Mm. We want to change that. We've, we've yeah. got a vision that every second person is reaching for a tissue because the Spirit yeah. of God is at work. You know? yeah. So it's, it's a clear we're here. We're going to want to go here. Um, the other thing that, that they do is they envision a reachable goal and they envision the obstacles. Right. In other words, they um, wall game it. Yeah. Right. In, in the book, he talks about um, red team, so blue team, red team. So blue team comes up with a plan,
0: Yeah.
1: Like military, you know, Red team shoots it down, points out all the holes, tries to beat the system, plays devil's advocate. Right. Blue team goes back and changes the plan, makes it better. Red team tries to beat the system. And, and they, they keep, they keep um, critiquing the obstacles. They keep envisioning the, weak, the shortcomings. Uh, they keep reworking the, the, the solution until it's bulletproof. Wow. They envision the goal and they envision the obstacles. And he gives example after example after example. In the book, he talks about Pixar, Yeah. Makes movies, you know. And he says, The movies we make are terrible. They absolutely suck at the start. Yeah. But then we critique them like you would not believe. Yeah. We point out all the obstacles and everyone gets to have a say. We we pick it apart like you would not believe. And the creative process is totally up for negotiation, but we work so hard at fixing all the obstacles and all the problems, so by the time we release, you know, um, the movie up or whatever, it's killer. Mm -hmm. Mm. But at the start, it was awful. Yeah. But we yeah. worked so hard at this is the goal. These are the obstacles, and let's um, let's work through that. Another thing you do is you constantly tell the story. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, um, the, so telling the, the the DNA and identifying catchphrases. So the, the best um, teams have clear catchphrases that describe this is what we do. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he talks about SEAL Team Six, the Navy SEAL team. And their, their catchphrase is, we shoot, we move, we communicate. <laughs> we're to do three things, guys, three things. <laughs> we shoot, we move as a group, yeah. and we communicate. And if we wow. stop doing one of those things, we're dead. Yeah. Literally dead. Bullet in the brain. You know? yeah. But that's what we do, and that's how we do it.
0: You know, I was thinking um, about these three things, building a sense of safety, a sense of acceptance, what was the second one again? Building vulnerability. Shared vulnerability. And then building a sense of purpose. Clear purpose, yeah. And really, I was thinking, Mark, about how they actually relate to the gospel and how they actually, the gospel actually gives us Absolutely. resources for those three things. And really, they are actually three hallmarks of, of a, of a gospel shaped culture because, you know, through the gospel, we actually then can accept other people. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says, Come to me, or you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know if you've read that book by um oh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Have you read that book?
1: It's next to my bed.
0: Uh, I haven't read it yeah, yet. It's well, cra- my, my wife's side, but yeah. It's a great book yeah. about like um about 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 the person of Christ and yeah. his and his character and how he's gentle and lowly and accepting. Mm. And you know, if we follow that type of saviour and we believe that the gospel was saved by our works, then And our churches and our teams should be a place where people do feel accepted and belong. Absolutely. Like this deep sense of belonging because of the gospel. And then when we think about like vulnerability, well, as Christians, you know, we our identity is in Christ, it's not in what we do. So we're justified, our righteousness is in Jesus, it's not in our works. So we should be able to take off the mask and really share our weaknesses and our sin and our struggle. And we're all sufferers as well, so we can all also share the ways in which we suffer. Suffer, and then obviously, you know, God calls us to His
1: purpose. He calls us to His every purpose. Yeah, worth chasing after
0: is the great commission. So, so we do have the resources in Christ to actually build these healthy, these healthy, um, you know, dynamics in our teams and in our churches that's right so as we think about bringing this thing to an end and you know pastors out there who are thinking about their teams thinking about okay i I, want to build a really healthy team of belonging of you know vulnerability vulnerability, and of um clear purpose clear Mm -hmm. purpose what is something we can leave them with a a, a takeaway like this is one thing you can do now one thing you can do to, to really implement into your team
1: yeah, look, I think it begins at the start, obviously. So to honestly ask that question, is my team connected? Yeah. Are we safe? Yeah. And does, does everyone on my team feel like we have a future together? Mm-hmm. Because if that's not true, it doesn't matter how good your goals are, how much you share from the heart, how committed you are to achieving the outcomes, no one's going to bring their best. Do you know, that is so interesting.
0: Um, we had back in – it just reminded me of a story, Mark – yeah back uh, many years ago we had a a group of um what we call ministry trainees uh in our church so we we had made a decision that we were going to multiply and plant churches and so we created these positions of ministry trainees and you know i'm a pretty driven sort of leader so that's uh, you know god's working on me sanctifying me (laughs) in that area but um one of the things that one of my associates said to me, he said, do you realise that uh, with the trainees, they're just... that, that they're wondering, um, they're nervous around you. Yeah. They always yeah. feel so nervous around you. And, and he said, you, you've created this sense around them that they are nervous and wondering whether they'll have a future, yeah. whether they really belong. And they can't really perform their best... Because of that sense of like real nervousness around it. And I didn't even realise, but you know, being the senior pastor, you have certain authority, Hmm. you have certain weight when you come into a room and you know, you can also demand excellence when you're in team meetings, but they 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 really got picked up from me this thing. And so they were just always nervous. And um and so I had to work hard then, I think, at trying to actually create this sense of security and belonging. Mm. We love you. Hmm. Like you're part of us. Yeah. Um,
1: Here are some in-jokes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think that question is a very important question
1: to ask yourself. Because if your team don't feel connected yes, and they don't feel safe and they're unsure about their future, yeah, you will not be a a successful team. You won't bear much fruit.
0: So just be careful of your presence.
1: Yeah. Be careful. What does your presence actually communicate to people when you come into a room? But if you listen well... Yep. And you model vulnerability and you are painstaking in the hiring process and you make sure everyone has a voice and you be careful about your critical feedback and you embrace fun together and you spotlight your own flaws and fallibility, especially early on as a team's forming. Uh, that will really go a long way towards creating a healthy team culture fantastic fantastic now next
0: next time next week mark we're going to pick up that vulnerability and trust yeah we're going to double down on that because i think uh you know we're going to talk about patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team you're probably if you're listening to this podcast i would imagine you've heard that before i couldn't i can't well, maybe you haven't, but I could imagine. that I you,
1: most people are most
0: people it. are now familiar with it. But I, for me, Mark, it was a real breakthrough, a real breakthrough mm. moment when when I when I read his book, and it helped me understand a lot. And so, listen in next time, and we're going to be talking about the five dysfunctions of a team. So Absolutely, join us next time. Sounds good.
1: Thanks, Timon.